Hi, welcome to the fourth Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is tech saviors. We're going to be hearing from Amber Villegas-Williamson, technical consultant at Uptime Institute, who explains about the importance of data centers in keeping us all going through COVID-19. We also meet Leah Hutchin, founder of Appointed, online booking and scheduling platform, who discusses the ways companies are adapting to the new post-lockdown world by getting smart with scheduling. As usual, we'll also be hearing from Inesh Santos, Womanthology's associate editor, who is going to be talking us through the written stories in the new issue. And now it's time to welcome friend of the show, Amber Villegas-Williamson. Amber, please could you tell us about your educational background and career to date? Yeah, hi Fiona, nice to see you again. Um, I know that those that are listening can't actually see you, but I have the pleasure of viewing your wonderful persona <laughs> on screen as we're doing with all these Zoom meetings. Um, educational background. So yeah, I did a degree many years ago, going on, ooh, I think it's like nearly 15 years ago. I graduated in 2004 in electrical electronic engineering, and I have worked mostly for um, international quality power providers um, for data centers. So that's been my primary focus. Um, worked around the world, uh, currently an engineer for engineering consultant for the uh, the Uptime Institute. And I look at data centers globally now. So on a day-to-day basis, what type of things would you be doing? So pre-COVID... <laughs> as we always talk about pre-COVID society. So yeah, so pre, pre-COVID, we had uh, two types of uh, jobs. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different products that we actually do, but I always tend to categorize them into whether they're home-based, working from home, looking at design documents and reviewing clients' uh, information to see whether they are consistently applying the, the TIRS standard that that we own, or I would consider an away job. So we'd actually be going on to site onto a data center somewhere in the world, and we would be verifying that they have built it according to the design and that it operates as per their, their actual design. As you can imagine, sometimes you know you'll have the designers who'll put something beautiful on paper, and then when you get to site, it's not quite what you imagined. So we're there basically to verify that they have built as required and it operates as needed. Amazing. What does a good data center look like? Nice and clean, hopefully. (laughs) I know that's a kind of a little bit of a joke response, but actually having a a data center that is is clean and free of dirt and debris does a lot to give you the confidence that they are operating in a way that is going to best support their clients. Um, Data centers that are well-designed consider the operations before they actually start building. So it's really small things. Um, I mean, if we're talking about like in your household, I'm only five foot five. So when I'm trying to get something from the top cupboard, it is ridiculously difficult for me. So I have to get out a little step stool and climb onto it to try and access. So in a data center, it's the same kind of thing. When they have considered 
the people that are going to be operating the site first and foremost it makes things uh, easier in terms of operations um i've been to sites where they've not only had to get a ladder they've had to get you know automated cherry pickers into position so that somebody can go up just to turn a valve off you know so it's um considering how you're going to be operating is always the mark of a good data center fantastic and where's the furthest flung places that you've been Oh, I've been to some really lovely places, actually. Um, I will have to say that the best seafood I've ever had has been in Dakar, Senegal. Beautiful, beautiful beaches there. And the people are so friendly. Really recommend going. Tanzania has been great. Also been to places like Qatar, um, Dubai. Uh, Oh, gosh, pretty much everywhere in Europe. So I've covered most of Europe, Morocco, Egypt yeah, has been very, very nice. I've enjoyed going to Egypt. I went to, to Cairo just before December and actually that was my last, um, oh, actually no, it wasn't my last trip. My last trip was to Lithuania before the, the lockdown happened in the UK. So you're a bit of a, a kind of a data centre rock star, really, would that be fair to say? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. I like to I like to keep myself quite uh, undercover, but uh, yeah, no. We we visit a lot of data centers and we look at lots of different types. And I think one of the benefits of of the Uptime Institute is that um, obviously there are several consultants, and we all do the same thing. So we're all traveling the world. We're all seeing different data centers, looking at different design. And the best thing about it is we all talk. So you're getting the experience of all of the little like sneaky peaks that we see and the oddities that you you can have in data centers and we're kind of chatting to each other so we're imparting that knowledge uh, and experience sort of throughout the globe and best practices in this episode we're talking about the way tech has saved us all during covid19 how are data centers helping well, to be fair, I know it's going to be the, the, the strangest and obviously COVID-19 has impacted many people uh, personally um, and it's not something that I would ever say has been a good thing in, in obviously in the, the impact that it's had with the loss of life. However, it really has brought to the forefront just how uh, important data centers are and technology has been with our everyday lives. I mean, um, we were having a bit of a chat about this before, Fiona, when I sort of said, imagine if this had happened sort of pre-1997, we had only four TV channels, so we didn't even have Channel 5. There was no digital TV and the average... (laughs) (laughs) the average internet speed was 0.0024 megabits. That's dial-up. That's dial-up. Oh, my word. Yeah. So, I mean, I was having a look just before this chat, and Ofcom 2020 have now said that the average UK home broadband is at 64 megs. So that's like a whopping, what, 25,000 times faster than it would have been in 1997 so you know they're, 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 we, we kind of moan when our internet uh, gets cut off or when it slows down and we do know that obviously um, Amazon Prime TV had a, a slowdown uh, we know that Netflix as well reduced through the quality and they slowed down their, their digital sharing purely to facilitate being able to maintain 
critical infrastructure so things like our hospitals things like your banking systems uh, everybody's work as well um, many people have moved remotely so that increase in traffic there has really impacted sort of the data center world and the thing that people don't realize when we're talking about cloud is that actually cloud is a data center so that is a building somewhere or several buildings somewhere where they have servers and they are housing stuff it's not sort of in the sky so you know it's it's one of those things that although COVID has been devastating for us globally. It has shown just the reliance that we have on, on digital and digital tech. And to be able to operate any digital tech, you need data centers. What sort of challenges have you had to deal with in recent weeks in order to keep everything working? Well, it's one of those things that I think the majority of data centers have had massive issues because obviously COVID-19 is something that impacts people. And wherever we have a data center, yes, there's a lot of equipment. Yes, we have been able to have people working remotely. They've been doing things like having remote hands. Um, there are monitoring systems in place. Some sites have automation. However, all of these systems require people. So it has proven just how uh, dependent we are and how reliant we are on good data center people. And we do need more. It's something that, um, you know, the data center sector in itself has an aging workforce. It is a predominantly male workforce as well. And, you know, they're it is something that we have been aware of for a very long time um, and in the uptime survey that was released in 2020 you know there was 71 percent of the respondents actually said that women do have the same opportunities in data centers as men do so it's you know the opportunities are there i think it's more about uh showing people the kind of jobs that are available and what they can actually do and what's needed how is the sector trying to be more inclusive and diverse I think it's one of those things that the sector itself has always been inclusive and diverse. Um, I mean, you can go around the world and you will find people from every sort of background. They are always looking for good, skilled engineers. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily the engineers that they're looking for. There's a whole raft of support teams, systems, uh, management personnel, planning, uh, masses of planning, HR, communications, marketing. All of these roles are required for data centers. But the, the thing that we've had the biggest issue with is actually nobody knew we even existed. So again as, as awful as COVID has been it has opened this world up to say hey data centers do exist and we are here and please consider careers in this area. And in terms of advice for girls and women who might be interested in working in the sector what would your advice to them be? Definitely reach out uh, if you have a LinkedIn profile uh, look at people that work in data centers reach out to them many are very approachable uh, have a look at different companies people that work within the companies get in contact with them uh, they are there they will support you there are very few uh, as we would say bad apples there are a few as, as, as they are everywhere but you know the majority of people are there they want to help they will guide you where you need to get to and apply you know and if you don't necessarily match a hundred percent of the job skill requirements that are being asked for and you match 60 percent 
apply because you can learn the rest or maybe perhaps it hasn't been worded in such a way that they're explaining what they're actually looking for. Maybe there are other skills that you'll bring into the table that they haven't asked for but would be very beneficial. So it's always worth having that conversation and just reaching out. And what would you say in terms of people who are looking to perhaps change career as well? So obviously the whole COVID-19 thing is just huge repercussions for people's employment and lots of people changing, looking for new employment. Uh, yeah, What about career changes? Is that something that they should do too? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, if anybody has a career or is considering a career change and their work is in a critical environment, so we've had people who uh, have worked in hospital administration, they understand the criticality of patient care. And it's that level of criticality that we in the data center use for our servers and client loads. So being able to understand how critical equipment works and the, the the time pressures and requirements of working that are needed in data centers then that would be a good fit um, everything from I mean people in marketing they could be any form of marketing to be able to engage and explain things to, to clients sometimes in a very non-technical way is always very helpful so being able to understand those kind of concepts um, we've seen many successful recruits coming from other industries such as rail and transport so there are a lot I have seen um, of um, people that have been unfortunately made redundant in the aerospace industry this is a great time to consider moving into data centers. You know, the criticality of maintaining and keeping a, a plane in the sky is kind of the same criticality that you're going to be using when looking at engine generators and systems to keep a data center running. So if, if, if you've had experience in any critical systems, then definitely consider a move over to data centers. Fantastic. And what would you say about data centers becoming more green? So I didn't realize until a few years ago that we, we talk a lot about, oh, well, we're being more envir environmentally friendly. So I'm going to send an email rather than send a, a, a letter. Obviously, it's much quicker to send an email. But I didn't realize until recently that every email has a carbon footprint. So the, in theory, the more emails you send, the more of a carbon footprint you're generating. Who knew? Yeah, because the more emails that you're sending, the more server space you're taking, the more time you're taking on that server, which means the more electricity because of the processing power, the more electricity, the more of the cost, um, the more of the cost. And obviously with, with data centers, the whole thing is, is we do, or data centers do use an, a significant amount of electricity and electricity costs money. And with everything, you know, if you are more efficient with how you're using something, you're going to be spending less money on electricity. So data centers, now are becoming as efficient and as effective as possible. I mean, there is a, a data center in the UK and it's not the only one that is 100% renewable. So they are 100% renewable energy powered. Why? It's not because they generate on-site renewables, but it's actually because they're purchasing renewable energy from the electricity grid supplier. So this is one way that some people are doing it. Others are, we have a couple of data centers. There's one in particular in um, Norway uh, called Green Mountain. Now they actually are on site of a hydroelectric plant. So not only is their electricity 100% renewable, but also their cooling is coming from the fjord water. So they're 
cooling systems are also 100% renewable. So there is another one, uh, Leftal Mine as well in Norway, who use uh, fueled water for cooling. So data centers themselves do try to be as energy efficient um, as possible and mix in as much green energy sources as they can. Um, some sites, especially in sort of nearer towards the equator where we have sort of better sun irradiance you'll see people using solar power but that is mainly for uh, what we would consider non-critical systems so things uh, like you might have lighting or you might have some offices that aren't critical to the operation of a data center so that's where you'd sort of mix in some renewable power sources like that so um what's coming up for you what are you excited about amber I'm excited that 2020 is nearly over. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am only joking. Um, no, it's gonna, it's, um, it, I'm excited to start doing more. We've done a few um, remote engagements. So previously where we were going on site um, and actually being physically on site with people, we are now doing more and more remote um, engagements. So we're having various camera systems set up, people with GoPros, that is quite interesting. I actually see us moving very much towards uh, more of a, an automated, maybe even a, a virtual reality or an augmented reality type of engagement with clients, which would be awesome. Um, I'm all for new technology. I do think that we will see um, an uptake of more monitoring uh, automation and control systems happening. Uh, there's in the 2020 survey that we did, which was released in, I think it was last month, um, we've seen an uptake of people saying that they're definitely going to go for more monitoring, control systems, and automation within a data center. Um, there are some people that are even saying that AI is going to be playing a bigger part in, in data centers, which is going to be very interesting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes next. Thank you so much, Amber. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hello, my name is Inish Santos, I am the Associate Editor for Womanfology and here I am to tell you all about our new issue, Tech Saviors. The stories include Carrie Shaw, founder and CEO of Embodied Labs, an immersive training and wellness platform for caregivers. Carrie shares her personal story with us and tells us how she came up with the idea of creating a virtual reality system that allows caregivers to step into the stories of people of all genders, ages, races and cultures by using her personal experiences of caring for her mother who had Alzheimer's. Frankie Dowling, Head of Compliance for Maze, a new banking and bookkeeping service for small businesses owners. Frankie talks about how tech is helping in the battle against fraud and money laundering as these have been increasing during the pandemic. Site reliability engineer Pauline Narvas shares what it is like working in STEM as a young woman of color. Pauline talks about her whole career path at BT and how she created her own website, pauline.com. She still mentions some of the issues she's passionate about, like the importance of self-care in tech. Also, 
Karen Beck, a freelance agile delivery specialist and scrum master, tells us about what she learned after starting up her own company and touches upon the way her communication changed thanks to COVID-19. Susie Foster, CEO of Imis Health, talks to us about her role, how Imis has been supporting GP surgeries, community nurses, pharmacies, and hospitals during the pandemic. Dr. Duncan Brown builds on the second episode of our podcast, which features Jennifer Sisopoulos. Duncan takes the work Jennifer's company, the Innovation Board, has done on the low-touch economy and examines its effect on a society on his work area of people, HR, and diversity management. Nikki Rousseau, CEO of Isaptech, which specializes in robotics automation solution design and delivery using a robotics as a service mode, informs us about the different uses of robots and how adopting these may help us during the pandemic. Nikki also talks about statistics of women in STEM in Australia. Do check out our website www.womanphology.co.uk to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Okay, so welcome to the show, Leah Hutchin of Appointed. Hi, Leah, how are you doing? So let's dive straight in. Leah, we spoke with you in the magazine actually going back now. It was 2016. Doesn't it seem like a long time ago? For those who missed it, please could you give us a brief recap of your educational background and your career to date? Yeah, sure. So um, I have a drama and theatre arts degree, which did not prepare me for life as a um, tech founder. Um, But actually, it was really helpful from a point of view of things like presenting and pitching for investment. And I specialised in producing. So actually, there's a lot of like the juggling kind of, you know, many priorities and wearing many different hats and having to deliver something as you know as polished as possible to an unrealistic deadline so so there is lots of lots of bits that have actually been helpful um I then went into um producing and I did some comedy producing and a bit of theatre producing um and then that all went a bit awry and I moved into the media side of things. So I was a magazine editor and I was made redundant in 2010 in our last recession. So um, we're hoping that we um, are ready for this one. You know, Appointed was born in a recession. So I think, you know, from that point of view, hopefully we're, we're well placed to weather this one. But yeah, I was made redundant and I started Appointed as a bit of a side project for me whilst I was freelancing and consulting. Marvellous. So for those who don't know about Appointed, just give us a bit bit of background about what Appointed does and all the exciting things you're working on at the moment. Yeah, sure. So Appointed is an online booking and scheduling um, platform and we enable businesses of all different shapes and sizes to take bookings from their website, their mobile app, their intranet, really any 
any platform where their customers or their um, employees are and they want to, to make a meaningful engagement. So we essentially enable them to take bookings for services that they offer or um, spaces. So one of the things that has become more prevalent during um, these challenging COVID times is helping employers to return their teams back into the office. So being able to book desk spaces and things like that. But we've also worked with a number of retailers to book entry into stores, so kind of guaranteed booking times to avoid queuing, um, and then also booking kind of virtual experiences and in-person experiences as well. So um, kind of zero touch personal shopping, that kind of thing in store, um, and then also a lot of virtual experiences. So webinars, masterclasses, we hosted, well, we helped book an amazing um, masterclass that was um, the launch of Pat McGrath's new makeup line and it was launched as a as a master chat with Naomi Campbell so it was amazing and they had I think 10,000 people on a on a call to launch that that product line so some amazing weird and wonderful things that we've done um, during lockdown but it's all about enabling businesses and their stakeholders to, to connect. And remind me, it integrates. So, say if you've got a Facebook page or other, but it, it will integrate with your website, yeah. with Facebook, whatever else. Is that right? Yeah, really, just wherever your your customers or your clients or employees are. So, whichever platform you are engaging with them, you can put booking tools there, or you can link to booking tools um, externally. So, it's really just about putting a very meaningful call to action um, wherever you're engaging with people. So, it's not just you know they're not just reading your content; they can also book to have a chat with you um, or book to meet. So how does technology help enrich people's experiences of engaging with business? Absolutely. I mean, that's at the heart of everything we do. And it's one of the things we've been seeing some amazing stats during um, COVID specifically around, you know, people are being more meaningful anyway. I think, you know, we're not going shopping in the way we used to. We're not just browsing. We are going, we're shopping to buy. So quite often we've done our research online um, or we've had a look around. We're then booking a guaranteed slot for entry and we're going and we're making that purchase. For those who haven't seen it already, they'd see a screen like when we arrange this call and they get a link. Is that right? And yeah, then they'll get a link and then um, it can have whatever the business wants on it. So it can be branded to the business. It can have a little bit more information about the business. It can have pictures of the person that you're going to meet with. Really, whatever you want just to really make people feel very comfortable with that interaction. But then importantly, it has the dates and times that you're available. Um, and then the person would just choose the best time that that suits them safe in the knowledge that um the the slot is available it gets confirmed um on screen and then it also gets confirmed via email and or text message if if you want and we can send reminders and follow-ups and it just becomes the start and a very meaningful start of a relationship between the two parties and I've got a broader question here just about tech and how it's been saving us all during COVID-19. I mean, we think back to if this had happened 10 years ago, if this had happened 20 years ago, where would we actually yeah. all have been? Absolutely. It's 
really interesting that you asked me that today, in fact, because I was just reading a blog that our chairman um, wrote, and he used to be a partner for one of the big four consultancies, and he was talking in his blog about how, you know, back when he started his career, and he did, I think, I think he said 29 years in his career, kind of always remote, because that was the consultancy way. They were always at the business's side. They were always there on site or traveling. And he was saying, you know, back when he started, there was no laptops, there was no spreadsheets, there was no mobile phones. It was all on paper. And you think it literally blew my mind to read that because of course, you know it, but you don't actually know it. So it's like, we are so, so lucky now, aren't we? That you know, we did at Pointed, we did a trial day when when we started looking and seeing, you know, everything that was going on in the world and, and kind of feeling like this was was going to to come to some kind of lockdown. We did a trial day, um, I think it was like the third of March, like really, really early March, um, to see like how we would fare and we all took our laptops and our screens and our you know, cables and extra mouse pads and, you know, all of the setup that, that we have in, in the office, we took that home and, and tried it for a day. That went perfectly. So we said from that point, if you don't want to come back into the office, you don't have to. If you want to, you can. Some people did come back in and actually the next day we were like, you know what, we're just calling this. Let's make it mandatory for the time being because we work with so many larger companies and kind of big enterprises that really rely on appointed to be managing their day-to-day business and so it was really important that we could keep that continuity and and kind of ensure that we were there for them so so yeah just being able to make it so seamless because we're we're so portable was amazing and and we're still not back in the office that'll be now four or five months um, down the line and the impact has been minimal really we've we've been able to to make sure that everyone was really set up and and been working really well from home and like say that would not have been the case 10 years ago so thinking about working remotely I've actually worked remotely for many years in various different roles and I think it all depends on how you how you managed if you manage properly if you know what you're doing and if people set out what they expect from you would you agree Absolutely. And I think that's it, isn't it? I think as a startup, we've actually been so lucky because we have more of a collaborative approach to like our work and our, you know, we're we're a group of people creating something and, and trying to do our kind of best work. And, and it is a very collaborative environment. It's not a sort of top-down rule and I just think that would be really hard in in remote wouldn't it if you if you had a team that wasn't able to have their own um oh gosh what's the word like managing autonomy thank you yeah if you had a team that didn't have that then it would be super hard um but yeah we're we're very lucky that everybody you know is working very collaboratively we always one of our like values that appointed is we move as one and we've tried to keep that although we're you know all spread around the country but it's been light touch it's been about having you know our regular cadence of meetings where possible so that we could keep that same feel but whilst just knowing that everyone's empowered to make their own decisions and as much as possible you know we'll be okay and what is your advice to all the female tech entrepreneurs uh, who have an idea that they want to develop? So they've got this fantastic idea. Where on earth 
would you start particularly now and in terms of obviously access to finance and things like that what's and what's the best advice that you were given yeah totally I mean it is it is an interesting one because as I say like I started appointed in exactly this kind of way so there will have been unfortunately as we know lots of people have lost their jobs already you know that probably isn't going to get any better any any time soon unfortunately and I think it's really hard but it does also present opportunity for people um I think you know it shouldn't be underestimated how hard it is if I look back I would never have started it if I'd have known how long it would take me if I'm totally honest um oh, I know the feeling <laughs> and it is it's one of the you just don't do you so there's always like a healthy I like to call it my um naive optimism <laughs> where it's like you have no idea and you just believe that you'll be able to do it so you just try and do it and then you're like knee deep you're like well I've got to do it now because I've made my bed so yeah I think like having that but being realistic that you know that you know it probably there is the whole adage isn't there of like it'll take twice as long and cost you three times as much and I think that's probably even an underestimation um but at the same time it is the most wonderful thing and I think if you can create something that is yours then you know it is the most fulfilling um opportunity I would say be aware that it is going to be really hard. Try and get as many amazing people around you as possible. So um, I was really lucky early on that I um, initially worked with an agency who were great. I then was able to raise some, well, we got one of the very first Scottish Edge Awards. And that was amazing because it gave me some cash to really like I hired our our first developer and brought the the technology in-house and yeah that was a wonderful thing there is a lot of support there I think you know the government is trying to to do a lot to support and create opportunities so have a look at what's out there from a point of view of of grants and um you know low interest or no interest loans and that kind of startup funding but also just have a bit of a hustle and don't don't overcomplicate it I think one of the things I'd I wished I'd have done better in the earlier days was just get something live that I could start to monetize um you know building software like appointed is you know a long road and I had to do that for a long time without any income coming in and that was really hard and I think with 2020 hindsight looking back I could have probably done some kind of engagement with my target market that I could have started to monetize and would have helped me to to you know pay my bills whilst I was trying to create the the big dream so yeah having having that approach um I think would would have been helpful but yeah, I mean, it's so hard, but it's amazing. And I think as well, we have to be kind to ourselves because it's, it's as you, you, you don't know these things until no, you've been you through don't. that. Then it's like, as you say, with, with, with hindsight, it's, you can look back and say, yeah. oh, I should have done. But then I think being kind to yourself equally, you were just doing the best that you could. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if I was to do it again, I'd probably make a whole new set of like learnings and mistakes. And, you know, you just you can only do your very best and you can only put one foot in front of another can't you it's not you know you're creating something for the first time and even if you're launching into a market where lots of people have done a version of your idea 
you're going to do it differently. You're going to do it, you know, with your own unique flavor. And that's what's going to make you a success. But it is also that's what's going to make it hard because there's no playbook. So, yeah, you absolutely have to be kind to yourself. So what is coming up next for you? What are you excited about? Um, so we're, we're doing so many exciting things at the moment at Appointed. It's, I think the whole world has changed with COVID. And, you know, when would we have ever seen change like we're seeing at the moment? So there's um, a lot of opportunity that's coming out of this for us because we enable people to you know manage their interactions with people in a more safe and and managed manner so there's lots of new challenges lots of businesses that we would never have worked with before um, are now coming to us because they're needing to look at virtual queuing for example or um, just booked entry times to things that you know we would never have thought about booking to to go to so there's lots going on there we're running up to we're starting to look at christmas believe it or not already and um, looking at opportunities as to how we can help deliver a safe and socially distanced santa experience for all um, yes. <laughs> indeed indeed um so there's there's lots going on in in that side of things we are helping a lot of um businesses to reimagine what their workspace looks like so one of the things that um appointed has done for a long time is help flexible workspaces so kind of booking desk spaces and and that kind of thing and that's actually really proving useful now for businesses as they are starting to look back at it's starting to look at going back into the office um, to be able to have their employees book to come in for a day or a half day and to have that kind of create a track and trace system for who was in the office when and, and their interactions so yeah there's a uh, a lot of things that we didn't think we would be doing pre-COVID and we've just had to, we've been very lucky because A, we've been able to reimagine our value, but probably more importantly, B, we've had businesses that we've worked with for a long time come to us and say, can you do this? And can I use the system? Or even better, just start using the system. Space and K um, are one of our retail clients and they've just been so inspirational in the way that they've used Appointed to um, put in kind of buffers around appointment times and make sure that everything's really safe and socially distanced. Um, they've put in like zero touch facials, for example. They've done like, a, you know, beauty masterclasses. They've done like skin type consultations via Zoom and all sorts of amazing things that, you know, we've been able to say, okay, they're using that like this. How can we help advise, you know, other businesses that might be coming up with the same challenges? And so we felt very lucky to be able to, like, learn and create alongside our, our customers. So thank you so much, Leah. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope you'll come back and join us again. Sadly, that's all we have time for in this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember... If you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also subscribe. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. That's all for now, but join us in the next episode where we'll be hearing about the ways that education is evolving in light of COVID-19. For now, take care and stay safe.